journalists out there trying to push real stories, trying to get messages out there. But Man, I heard about Nathan Nice and Kids Castle. When it comes to cooking and the food, I, I just know how to change your mood. You need this positive outlet, you know what I'm saying, and let people know everyone from every different demographic has a story to tell, and we need to hear it. Me, I'm just smoking a blunt. Me, I'm just eating some lunch. Me, I'm just, I ain't faking no funk. I just get to give the people what they want. The kitchen couch, Nathan Nice. Like skin Bourdain, you gotta say it twice And throw it with that ragu You already know that I do what it do Welcome 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 To the Kitchen Couch Podcast I am your host The creator The inventor of this bitch Nathan Nice You can find me on social media At Nathan Nice N-A-T-H-I-N-N-I-C-E A.K.A. Hashtag Light Skin Bourdain I am the Light Skin Anthony Bourdain You can also find The Kitchen Couch At The Kitchen Couch All one word No spaces properly spelled Let me tell you a little something about me And a little something about this podcast I am from the streets of Seattle, bouncing around a bunch of restaurants for about 10 to 11 years. I've done almost every job under the sun. Uh, I've perfected a lot of culinary skills, but I'm still learning. I'm still a student of this game, and I really love culinary in itself, not necessarily the industry, but I do love culinary because it brings people together. It brings people who wouldn't normally interact together. The reason why I call this the kitchen couch is this is a place where you can sit down after the meal, after you're full, after we've eaten, or we're still snacking, sitting on the couch, talking with anybody, and we can break down barriers. This is a place to to express ideas, and, and no one is, everyone is permitted to sit, as long as you pay your rent and don't fuck my couch up, you feel me? Now... On today, wait, 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 wait. Before we start this off, I need to give another shout out to the great, late, great Nipsey Hussle. Rest in peace, young brother. You were taken from us way too early. If you haven't checked out that that podcast, the dedication episode I made for Nipsey Hussle, you know, I really looked up to Big Bro and we gonna keep it lit. The marathon continues. So today... I am blessed, very blessed, to have spoken with this brother and eventually pull up on, tap in with, meet up to try some of his tasty, tasty barbecue, peep the skill, peep the knife work, peep the wrist action, you feel me, and and learn something, learn something. You know, I'm always picking up something. I'm always learning something. And not it's not just about the culinary. It's not just about the food, which brings people together. It's about the legacy. It's about tradition. It's about culture. It's about love. You hear me? Love. Now, without further ado, I bring to you Big Perm. <laughs> Big Perm.
You can find him at Zilla's Pit Barbecue on Instagram, just like I did. So make sure you listen. Nathan Nice in the kitchen couch. Hey, we close that door. What's up, Nate? What's up, brother? How you doing, it? Hey, man, I apologize. Sometimes I be on black people time a little bit. I just. Trying to get my. <laughs> Your CP got some pee in the tank. Oh, yeah. Pacific people time. You feel me? <laughs> hey, you all good, man. You all good. What's the word? Hey, man. So, uh, tell them who, who am I speaking to? Uh, I, 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 better, I better know you as uh, Zilla's Barbecue Pit on Instagram. But uh, tell them a little, you know, let them know about you. Well, Uh, okay. I like that. I like that, man. Hey, and uh, I was going through your Instagram, and I saw this little uh, picture, and I liked it, and it was talking about like your like a legacy about uh, I think maybe it was your people. They were they bought the real estate or something like that. They did a deal way back in the day and bought some real estate, and they. Uh, oh, oh yeah, man. My family got a man tremendous legacy. Um, my matter of fact, my great great grandfather was not a sharecropper, outright free man. In the year 1881, he purchased, um, which we still own to this day, over 250 acres of land, farmland, and we're the only African-American family in that county that owns that much real estate for over a century continuously. So my family has a large legacy as far as owning property, creating their own businesses, and having a long legacy of taking care of those businesses and not just being bought out or sold out or just, you know what I'm saying, being one of those guys that's creating something, build it up, and then sell it out. They like to make sure that whatever they do flourishes for next generation to come. That's amazing. You said you said not a sharecropper outright? That, <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, yeah. He bought that outright. Matter of fact, my great-grandfather was one of the first African-American professors at, well, yeah, he was one of the first African-American professors from Fisk University, which is located in Nashville, who was one of the first African-American teachers in West Tennessee that was able to teach black and color and low-income children. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's black excellence it's, right there. It's more than barbecue, baby. Barbecue is just a segment of my, of my heritage, man. But, you know, it's, just, it, it's something that... I can build on to the legacy and, and share a piece of our family legacy and make sure the world knows that, hey, we're, we're multifaceted. 
so much stuff that you can only compartmentalize only certain things before you get overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm knowing what you mean. So how did your family get into smoking? I know that, uh, see, where I'm from, we don't we don't have, like, a barbecue culture. I mean, going outside and barbecuing, but we don't have a smoking culture. We don't have a, there's no Seattle rub, dry rub. Um, I mean, we do have a cuisine, but it's more of, like, fresh and, like, foraged and farmed, like, and, and, and kind of wild pairing, seafood, obviously. But we don't have that barbecue culture like you. So, I mean, talk, speak on it a little bit about your, you know, how you got into it. Well, my barbecue culture came from, it was like two different segments. The first segment was like as an adolescent to maybe elementary, middle school, where when I was on the farm, before I actually attended elementary school, I stayed with my grandmother for maybe up to four to almost that fifth year. My mom, she was away in college. So I stayed on the farm an extended period of time. So I got to see where, you know what I'm saying, we was a predominantly cotton farm, and that was before soybean really took off. So not only did we have cotton on the farm, we also had farm animals as well, chickens, hogs, uh, cows, some cattle as well. We didn't have a lot of cattle, but we still had some to be able to feed, you know what I'm saying, families off of because our family had one road named after us. I mean, we had cousins, aunts, uncles, and everything that lived on that one road with all that acreage on it. So we fed one another. We always had massive cookouts or around. We, I feel like we was one of the original people that started the whole family reunion ordeal. We started having our family reunions in, in the early 80s, like 1983 or 82. And we have one this year. I think it would be like the 20th or the 30th year anniversary of our family reunion. So we used to have mass gatherings. Uh, they'll always get together, either bring out a hog or They'll break the hog down in the shoulders, pork loins, chicken loins, whatever it may be. And then chickens, we always had chickens on the farm, so they'll break those down, pluck them and clean them and all that stuff. We'll have a nice gathering cook. With the, the men uh, basically do all the barbecuing as far as the cooking. The women would do all the, the major sides and the desserts and things of that nature. Mm. We'll get together, we'll congregate, and we'll, uh, we'll just basically get together. It was like a... A sharing, it was like a harvest season or a sharing moment where if you was going away, if you lived there as a child in West Tennessee and then you pr- prospered and you moved away and went to another state, you came back and you shared all the knowledge and you shared all the things as far as the bad food influences that you have back home. And it broadened the whole, the whole spectrum as far as the types of food that we incorporate in our dishes. You know, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, the family is huge, number one. Uh, my grandfather had maybe four girls. My great-grandfather had six to ten kids. Jesus. And the great-grandfather had, I think, like between 10 and 13. So they have upwards of 50 and 70 great-grandkids. I mean, our family reunion consists of like 200 people. Damn. Yeah, so it's a gap. Like this year, this year will be the first year I'm able to cook for my family reunion, and for me, it's an honor to cook for those people mm. because they knew me ever since I was an adolescent, and they saw me, man, when I used to ride the tractors with them, tilling the field, and man, look, I, I'm still that kid at heart, man, that love to be out there in the country, man, and soak in the sun rays, man. We drink well water, man. We don't drink any of that contaminated water that has chlorine and bleach in it, man. It's some of the, man, the, the most satisfying and Echoline-based, pure, I mean, natural echoline-based waters and all this stuff. 
man, my grandmother just recently passed last year at age 86. I'm sorry to hear that, brother. She went to the hospital maybe a couple of years ago. And before that, my great-grandfather and grandmother didn't go to the hospital until the late 80s night. Mm. Just because of natural holistic living. They ate off of whatever came from the ground. And mm. they stored it away. They froze and they done all that stuff. The only time they went to town was to get stuff that they wasn't capable of getting, like toiletries and stuff like that. That's that's amazing, man. I, I, honestly, I gotta say, uh, sorry to hear about your your grandmother. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure she's proud of you right now. Uh, my my, it's funny because in Seattle, where I'm from, born and raised, uh, totally different legacy. Um, I'm I'm very jealous jealous of your lineage. Whereas uh, I feel like. My people kind of came here to get away from everything, and we definitely started splitting apart from there. So it's like our family reunion is so small if we ever have one. Um, we're all like very lone wolves. We kind of like are like bandit family or something. We're kind of trying to make the legacy happen because the city up here, I was telling you, is so new, you know, compared to what you're saying. You, you know your family. You know the farm. You know, I'm sure you know like the back of your hand, whereas like, you know, my grandma um, was with my grandpa on my mom's side, and they were in California. She was a white lady, and he was, you know, a black man. And uh, he came from the East Coast, and she came from the Midwest, and they were in California. She had kids already, and they moved up to Seattle because of the discrimination they were facing in uh, California for being an interracial couple. So, you know, they moved to Seattle and basically from there, you know, we got this kind of bandit pack, you know, we, we're, we kind of do it moving. And I think this is what kind of started this podcast for me is that, you know, I want to reach out to my people out there and gain connection and gain family and gain kind of, you know, uh, 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 be able to tap in with folks and, and, and promote people. And because I, I really, at the base of me, really enjoy people, especially my people and, you know. I like seeing us, you know, be positive and share stuff like this. So, just to say, man. So, oh, there's love. There's yeah. love. There's nothing but love. Man. And the crazy part, I don't mean to cut you short. Oh, no, you're good. The crazy part about it was, you know, you know how you say your family's the, the bandit or, or they, they they break away into different packs? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a reverse role with mine. There's a point in time that by us being almost the predominantly family of the county owning that much acreage, which was the prize for a lot of just people, just not only non-white, non-black people, you know what I'm saying, just people in general. We had people try to take one. And my grandmother and grandfather would tell me stuff. Well, not grandfather, because my grandfather passed before I was born. But my grandmother, my great-grandfather, and his wife, my great-grandmother, they used to tell us stories about people, the KKK would come in, ride in, trying to take their land. And our lane in the street that we lived on, or the road, it was an actual gravel road, they would block them in.
getting getting off a little subject of the barbecue, but no. it brings me back to this. The reason why I barbecue was the times I spent with my uncles, my father, and my family in general. Those are some of the most precious times that I have now. Financially, I'm not Daddy Warbucks. I'm not balling out of control, but I'm okay. I have more family wealth than I can ever imagine. Mm. There's, I can't say that there's somebody I can't call on my family that I need any kind of help with that's not willing to help me because they know I have good intentions. When they know you have good intentions, they're willing to give their all, and that's why I say I am family rich. Mm. I mean, I'm like, everybody know, like, hey, man, look, if Perm's going to do something with this barbecue, I'm going to give it my all. I'm not going to shortchange somebody's time because I know you can do something more precious to you with your time to give it up to help me. So I value people's time. That's where my value comes in uh, with family and things of that nature because they know if I'm going to add something to them, I'm willing to do the same thing in return if need be. Right. So that, that, that helps me in the barbecue special because – Learning, taking the time out and learning the processes and respecting the processes when I cook, that shows them in layman terms that I respect the time that I've been with them. And mm. I'm not going to shortchange them in different methods to make it seem like whatever they taught me is not worth me doing. That's crazy because um, when I tell people what a chef is, uh, a lot of people have, you know, a very uh, different meanings of what it comes, what it means to be a chef. And my interpretation is that you have the same method that you do no matter what you're doing. You're breaking down an elk, a moose, or a, a shellfish, or a vegetable, whatever it is. You're going to take it, and whatever method you're going to do, you're going to apply to it, whether it be tradition, legacy, or what you were taught. You're not going to you know, vary it. Yeah, you might have different spices. You might have different machinery, but you're still going to apply the same technique. And that's, that's something I respect of what you're saying. Um, and we gonna get into it. We gonna get into it. The, we the kitchen couch is about a lot of things, man. It's, it, you know, I, I like music, you know, but uh, I actually chose cooking because I wanted a practical skill, you know, just in case I were to become something else, um, I would have that to fall back on as an actual practical skill. Or if the world ended, you know, maybe I could help people. Maybe I, you know, and it's a it's the number one way to connect to people is uh. Food and laughter, I want to say. So I kind of try to bring both of those to people. And a good story. Well, it's a healing thing. Is that, you tell me one good time when you haven't had great food and you had a happy memory behind it. Oh, you know yeah. What I'm no matter whose food it was, no matter what company you were in, if the food was great and the conversation was great, you can relate to somebody on any different platform it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or if you're a boss mm-hmm. you can already relate back to a time where things were better or you can always relate to a time where things wasn't as harsh as they were at that time that you were trying that food or it can take you away to a time like yo i'm dealing with something right now but man look i'm eating this barbecue sandwich or man i'm trying this this shrimp alfredo and it's taking me back to a time to where man times were great you know and, and it put and it helps push you through those difficult times and to say, you know what, it makes me, it makes it worth waking up the next day, you know what I mean, going through the ground all over again. So, you know, not only does it fuel your body to live on, in certain aspects, it fuels your soul because it, it brings certain memories back to your brain and say, okay, either I know I can do better, 
you know what I'm saying, because it takes you back to this time in this dish where I remember when we didn't have what we have right now, and just to be prior to what we have right now, this is a big leap, so I know I can do better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it can be motivation in that aspect as well. You're like, man, and then sometimes it's just what it is. Right. It's comfortable, it's relaxed, it's kicking back, it's enjoying the, enjoying the camaraderie and the, and the libations or whatever it is with friends and the downtime and making positive memories. That's the reason why anytime anyone comes to my event, they can't say they didn't come back as a better person experiencing the event. Mm. Because I make sure that anything within my power, I try to make sure people enjoy themselves as much as possible. Now, serving food is first and foremost serving the best food that I can possibly give to the public, that's my primary objective. But the second one is, once you enter either a food truck atmosphere or when I'm blessed to have a brick and mortar, once you enter my brick and mortar, it's like you coming in my house. I'm not going to have no negativity or anything like this. Excuse the double negative. But I'm not going to have any negativity or anything in the establishment because there's so much negativity out in the world that that should be one your one safe haven where you can feel like you can come and you can be comfortable. You can sit down, you can let your hair down. Mm. You can enjoy your sandwich and get dirty and get your fingers wet and not feel like you're being judged. Mm. I want you to be like, hey, I'm, I'm eating a like you're eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like you was at your mom and your dad's kitchen table. And you can feel like you're at home. Mm. And people need that. I mean, people need that, man. We go through so, each individual go through so many different things. It's kind of hard to put into perspective like, man, I got my own problems like this person has their own problems, but guess what? By me cooking, I'm setting my problems to the side to see if I can help this individual in a way that where they can take their mind off of what's going on in their life right now. Mm. It's like a therapy. I mean, it, it has to be. And plus, what I'm cooking, dude, we ain't doing fried food. We doing food like, man, the food is sticking to your ribs. I remember there was a time where my my barbecue, when I got serious about barbecue, was in high school. Now, I started cooking on a profession like a circuit and stuff in 2014, but in high school is when I got serious. And I'll tell you the one story that I tell a lot of friends. There was a point in time where University of Tennessee football was really popular, where painting men was really the man. So at that time, my father and his, and his brothers and brothers-in-law, my uncles, they would get to the point where halftime they're drunk. Let out, hey, look, it's your time to start cooking. So you're going to cook the remainder of food from halftime to the end. Take your time. Don't mess it up. And here's why you don't mess it up. Because this is our lunch for the rest of the week. There's no, hey, you can mess it up. You can throw it in the trash can. No, dude, I got to eat this. Because we ain't got money like that to go buy some more food for the rest of the week. We're living check to check. And then sometimes we we borrow money from our moms and which is my grandmother, they moms and dads, to make sure they can meet us to check the check. So what you do with this food, you got to make this food stretch for a couple of days. Now now we have that luxury, but we don't have to do this. Right. But it was a point in time, you have to learn to respect what you're feeding people because you don't know how they're going to be able to eat that. Will they have to cut that in half, cut it in fourths, or cut it in eighths to make it work? So you got to make it where it does work and it tastes as good on the first day as it does on the third day. Mm. Mm. So you don't know if it's a mother with a single kid, a single mother with two kids, three kids, and she got to split a sandwich in half to feed her two kids and maybe take the other half and split it into another half, make it a fourth, and the half's going to take the work. <laughs> right. These are the people that, these are the people that I'm reaching. Now, if you come in and you're an attorney or a judge or something, and you can afford to buy a deck of 
Bodega McBrisket and all that fun stuff, man, I, I love your patronage and I appreciate it. But my barbecue is to help the people that are not able to get those items. If you can get those items, man, thank you so much because I put just as much effort into feeding you as I do feeding that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have as much as you do. And, and around the board, across the board, they respect you because you treat them as equal. And that's what they should be treated as. Mm. I mean, that, and that's church right there, for real, for real. And, uh, you know, I, like uh, one, one person that I've always idolized um, is uh, Anthony Bourdain. I, I call myself the light-skinned Bourdain because uh, I really, I saw him as a person. He was, he's pretty much the only white person I know that would actually be in Africa, in the, in the cities, in Asia, in the cities. In the South, connecting with the people, really, you know, and I don't know how it is. I read some of his books. The guy was a real a realist, and, and I love the fact that, you know, what you're talking about, like, uh, connecting with people through the food, and that's that's something that I I really, you know, the, the, the food, that's why I call this the kitchen couch, because it's basically the place that you sit after, after you're done eating, and we could really chop it up, play some dominoes, you know, whatever, we're playing some spades, we're drinking, you know, hanging out, you know, after, after we had the, uh, you know, big perms ribs and we could really, we could really get down to it. So, uh, so what I was going to ask you, well, uh, let's get into the food a little bit. Um, uh, so you say if you're from Tennessee, right? Nashville, you said, yep. I was born in uh, Brownsville, Brownsville, definitely love you know being self-sufficient so i was gonna ask you so being being from uh tennessee i heard it's a, a dry rub am i right uh depends on which region that is west middle and east tennessee okay west tennessee is traditional dry rub um middle tennessee is a matchup in between the two uh east and east and west um middle tennessee is more of a place where people gravitate to just because the popularity of nashville being on the music city and either people tried to go here just because at one point in time it was known as Athens of the South with so many colleges that you get those dancing and regional pick 
between the wet and the dry rug. So Nashville, you have the luxury of both. You know, you have people that can do stuff really well, but what do you do well, and how does it translate to the audience that you're trying to tend it to? Mm. So with me, I can do a dry rug real, but for me, I like to layer my flavor. I like to do it dry, and if you ask for a dry, I leave it dry. But if you want it wet, we make an in-house sauce, man, that can compete with any and everybody's sauce on the shelf. Mm. And to this day, I, people ask me, why not put my sauce on the shelf? I said, at this point in time, that's not something I want to focus on. My focus is making sure people get food that they can be proud of, that people can get food that they can say, okay, I'm getting what I'm paying for. My worst thing in life, and I see it, and you see it, and everybody see it on TV to the day. You see a commercial, man, you see food, and it be like, dang, that looks good. You get to the location, you're like, what is this trash they see? Mm-hmm. What am I paying for? <laughs> so what I do is, I'm going to put forth my best effort, all the stuff that I post either on social media or, you know what I'm saying, I comment on or I say, hey, this is what we're doing, okay, we're doing. I do it to the best of my ability. And if I'm going to give you a, a photograph of it, that's exactly what you're going to get. I'm not going to vary in any kind of degree of difficulty or color or taste or nothing. That's what you're getting because that's what you're anticipating on getting. That's what you're paying for. So when people get to seeing stuff like, dang, this food looked like it said it was going to look on social media, but it tastes better than I anticipated to taste because what it looked. I thought it was going to taste a little bit different, or you weren't putting up as much effort because you want a big franchise or big entity. I'm like, look, I put more in it because I'm a smaller entity, number one, and because bad news travels worse than good news does. Mm-hmm. And if you don't put your best foot forward, they can be like, nah, man, don't go with Perm. Perm's like, he don't care. You can tell he just out here for the bucks, and he ain't going to put his best foot forward. And that's what's going to kill you as a small business because people can tell if you care or not. If you're putting your best foot forward or if, they're gonna, if you're just slacking, you just in it because it's a hot thing now with the barbecue is, it, it's hot. I'm not going to put it. I mean, I'm not going to shoot the color or nothing. Man, a lot of people now barbecue that never thought about barbecue, man, maybe five or ten years ago. Right. But here's the thing. Either you're going to do it the, the right way and do it for the longevity, or you're going to do it for the money and people are going to see right through you and you're not going to be in this That's true. The, the people that, that either live on barbecue, that, eat, that have eaten barbecue throughout their life as a, as a means of either survival or do it because they love the flavors that, that bring the barbecue and the, the hours that go into it. This is not like you flipping a hamburger, man. People are putting hours in the food. Right. Like, I, man, look, my mom, it takes my mom a couple of hours to half a day to make turnip greens and collard greens. Oof. We're not doing fried foods. We're doing foods for stuff that, man, you can go back and remember, like, man, I remember my grandma used to be in the kitchen all day making this. But when she got done, ooh, that cornbread was something else. Mm. These are the these are the meals that we're investing in. People are like, man, you're investing in too much time. But guess what? You're not going to get another experience like this. This is what's going to have people coming back. And that's what makes people want to stand in line because they know you're putting your best foot forward. You're not putting out trash. I can, I can do five, ten minutes and then I can pop up 10, 15 stores. But guess what? Once you pop up 10 or 15 stores, you can't put your full concentration and full effort on all 15. That's the reason why I got one food truck and when a brick and mortar come, I'm going to have one brick and mortar. And yeah. everybody's like, why won't you do more than one? Because... I want my desk, my spot to be the destination spot because they know I'm going to be there and I'm going to make sure everything is the best of its possible ability. It's going to be as above par as possible in my aspect. Mm. And you can care, and you can guarantee on that. A lot of people can't do that. 
position and you can keep quality control up, then guess what? It's like a fax machine. No matter what, it's going to come out exact all the time, like a copy and a fax machine. Right. This is that. You can do it in your sleep. Right. <laughs> That's true, man. That's true. And, you know, you were talking about how... Um, a lot of people are now into barbecue. That's just real. That's funny because, you know, for me, I, obviously my people aren't like barbecue people, but barbecue for me was just kind of like a way to get outside. If we're all functioning together, there's generally a barbecue going, some some liquor and some some kind of card game or dominoes. That's kind of how we we always did it. So when I think of barbecue, I always think of just being outside with the family in the in the backyard and all that. That that that's what it was and i you know and i got into the industry to be like okay well what sauces are we actually putting on because you know we 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 weren't super culinary in my family you know um until until i reached my mom my mom started becoming like more of the culinary person and um so it's man for real though i mean being able to put out pump out all those restaurants and just to say you have a, a mediocre product is just really not worth it. it and like you like it comes back to legacy and so what i was going to ask you though is uh what kind of woods do you type do you prefer uh, if you're you're a smoker guy i assume as well oh yeah we're predominantly smoker um look we're we're old school we're, we're close to as almost as old school you're gonna get uh, no propane driven anything only thing we do propane on is we use our propane tanks to salt our charcoal. Mm. That's it. And then once the charcoal get ignited and get up to temp, we'll throw it on the smoker and we use anywhere between cherry. Uh, we get, of course, hickory is just abundant here, but I don't use hickory just because hickory doesn't marry with a lot of foods that I like to use. Um, if you use it and let's just say you use it on beef, you got to start it out early and put your brisket or whatever heavy cut of meat on that you put on just for it to make sure it hits that flavor. Now, I'll either use cherry or oak myself because cherry marries with so many cuts of meat. I mean, just proteins in general, whether it be fish, poultry, um, vegetables. I mean, the cherry wood, it, it's light and it's, it puts a pristine color on it because I believe you eat with your eyes and your nose before you do with your mouth. If it smells good, if it looks good, then chances are people going to think it's going to taste good as well. So they're going to give you an opportunity to try it and to say, okay, look, it looks and smells and tastes all awesome. So we also have the ability to get peach wood. But the peach wood I have access to getting is in only in West Tennessee. So it's in very sparse availability to me. But now cherry and oak and hickory, that's, in, that's readily available. But I select cherry and oak wood between red oak or white oak wood just because the BTUs in that cherry, I mean in that red and that white oak, they're hot enough to where I don't have to use a ton of it to cook my beef products off. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know it broke down like that, but that's that's really cool that, you know, so do you have a, a, per, a preferred way? Is You know, are you using like a closed smoker, an open smoker? You know, a, you know, speak oh, on it. I use a traditional offset. All, all, all the smokers, if I have a smoker, all the smokers I use are traditional offset. If I have like a grill, <laughs> I'm using like a large 22 kettle. Um, using either direct or indirect cooking methods depends on what proteins or proteins or what dishes I'm cooking. So I had to 
I had the luxury, and it truly is a luxury because time is, man, it's a luxury. You know, you you just you determine on who you give your time to, and I treat my time very valuably. So I'm able to invest that time into saying, okay, here's what apparatus took better for these different proteins, and I'm like, man, with wings, man, there's no better apparatus that I believe in a Weber kept whether it be the 22 ranch or the big, uh, I think it's like a 50 ranch man. Mm. If you can do some wings over a kettle, I mean, I even done wings over a Weber Smoky Mountain. And what I do is I treat it as a um, flame grill. I actually cook with wood in it. I take the um, take the top off, I put some charcoal in it, and like a, a, I guess like a coffee canister method, pile it all up in the middle. I give me a couple of chunks, and I'll just let a flame roll up, and the flame rolls up high enough to where it don't lick the bottom of the wing. So you're basically cooking with the flame. So imagine getting the crispness that you would if you were frying wings, cooking chicken over open flame. And people are like, how do you do it? Because you're rendering all the fat off. And then, matter of fact, it's a healthier wing than you do if you're cooking if you easily fry it. Hmm. That's crazy. So you use a, you said an open an open method for the wings. So you yep. so you tying them. It, Are it's you, almost like a it's almost like a Santa Maria grill. Well, I use a Weber Smoky Mountain, and I'm able to adjust the height by okay. If I, they have two different grates, they have a grate down low right above where you put the water bowl, and then there's a grate on the very top. So I take the dome off, and then the little hatch that opens up in the middle, I put enough like a chimney full. And I put a couple of chunks of whatever flavor that I want to flavor the wings with and let those chunks ignite and catch a flame. And then the flame will get up high enough to where maybe after 10 minutes or so, you can place the wings on the actual Weber Smoking Mountain and you can hit them sucker sizzle. Mm. And what you, what did you call this method? I got I to gotta go. The thing I tell people is don't walk away. You got to stay in front of Because if not, you'll burn them down. What what did you call this method? Man, it, it, it's just a, I guess it's the worm method, the big perm method. Big perm, okay. I, I mean, I never heard anybody else use a Weber smoking manner in that method because I just man, I put all the and, and it's crazy because everybody like, damn man, your wings are fine. Every time we sell wings, we sell out. Period. I use that Weber smoking manner. I use the eighteen because I do orders of fifty at a time if I do an order of wings. Man, I remember one day we done, Nashville has a national sports league where they do different events for, like, kickball, soccer, volleyball, and all that stuff. One day we sold over, like, 750 wings in, like, four hours. Damn. That's... Just using that method. Because you can crank a, you can crank a set of 50 out in less than five minutes. Oh, my goodness. That's that's amazing. I. That's amazing. But it took time to learn that, though. You know, you got to learn different methods on how to use your apparatus to its best ability. That's the reason why I love when I, man, the first real thing I started smoking with was a Walmart Oklahoma Joe, the highest. And I started smoking my own meats with it. And then I started doing research about keeping the temperature easy, about where to put my thermometers at as far as putting them on the grade level to have a more accurate reading on what temperatures my meats are cooking at. But see, those are in time, investments in time that you can't put a dollar amount on because all those things you're learning, you can add on to and you can pass on to future generations. And that same knowledge that you have, 
they can use that, and you can't put a price tag on how they can use that, man, because they can use that in any facet that they choose. Mm. Mm. So, like, up here, we, uh, we kind of use something. We use a lot of foil, I guess, to kind of. We'll do like a carne asada type of deal uh, over some foil, or you know, sometimes um, chicken wings. Sometimes when we do that, do you ever use foil? Oh yeah, all the time I use foil really is when I wrap my um, pork slab. Hmm. Now, I'm, I'm I'm gonna give you a. You you may know this. No, I had no idea. crazy <laughs> that's amazing hey. So um, I, I, I got a, um, a little segment on here I want to uh, do. It's called a recipe swap. Now, I don't want to I don't want to uh, take your best recipe, but I know you got something for me. But I'll start. Uh, one thing I do I'm kind of known for is called this uh, chicken salad. Uh, and it's like the spread, sandwich spread, chicken salad. Okay. And uh, what I do is I get my chickens. And I usually do um, boneless uh thighs or they'll have they'll have one bone in there but they're pretty much deboned for the most part they'll just have that main bone keeping it keeping it intact then i'll like uh marinate it or not excuse me i'll just toss it in olive oil salt pepper cook them about 400 just cook them all the way through right then i throw them in the blender and i take uh mayonnaise but if people don't like the mayonnaise you can use olive oil if you want and i take that and i will mix it with some fresh raspberries, not too much, but a little bit. And I'll take some, uh, you know, we don't have fresh chipotle peppers and those things to be really spicy. So I'll take the marinated chipotle, blend it up, a little bit of salt, pepper. Ooh, get you some nice sourdough or, or even like, mm, like a brown bread, a nice brown bread. And that sandwich spread goes hard. It's sweet, it's tart, and it's spicy. And it just, that's like one of my one of my dishes. Uh, you could check out my Instagram, or I'll, I'll send you the uh, the picture of it. But I I actually got a chance to make make. Well, I was working in this Japanese restaurant, and I got a chance to make it Japanese style. And I I used marinated tomato, um, soy, and dashi, and I mixed it with mayonnaise. Oh, slapping! Served it with two crostinis. Okay, okay, I mm. like that. I'm about to try that. Mm. Like, yeah, Oh yeah.
bring it just a tad bit of salt or any type of seasoning that you like to flavor it with. Um, boil them so you can take a fork and get them soft enough to where you can stick the fork in probably where the U-shape is located. So once you get that, pour them out, drain them out, uh, get them cool to touch. Once you get them cool to touch, go either cut them in half or cut them in fourths. Once you cut them in half or cut them in fourths, uh, go to your store. Uh, you can get them prior to going to your store. Get them at the same time you get your potatoes. Get you some thin cut bacon. Uh, don't get the regular cut. Preferably get the thin cut because the thin cut is it gives you a more pliable piece of bacon to work with, number one. Um, also get you some toothpicks as well. Um, and you can do either method. Uh, usually, once I get done cutting it, I'll go ahead and take like a small little scoop or give me a small little spoon and you can hollow it out or you can keep it full with potato. It doesn't matter. You can either put cream cheese or whatever you want to on the inside. But what I do is I take the piece of bacon, if it's a long strip, cut it in half. Um, I'll actually pull it gently and form it around the potato. Just wrap, make one revolution around the potato and then take the toothpick and place it in the very edge of it. Take whatever seasoning that you may like, whether it be lemon pepper, garlic pepper, barbecue season, whatever it may be. Sprinkle it over the potato as well. Um, you can even put a little extra virgin olive oil on it to make the actual seasoning adhere to the potato as well as the bacon. Mm. So once you get those done, um, there's multiple cooking methods that you can cook it. So the, pretty much the potato is already cooked. It's parboiled. Um, the bacon is the only thing you have to cook. And what we do is on the outside, you'll be able to create some type of crust as well on the bacon, on the potato as well as the bacon. So you can either take it to the grill. You can do offset grilling, um, 250 for maybe 20 minutes or so. I would check on it to see if the bacon has a nice crisp outer edge as well as potato. Once you see it has a crisp outer edge on it to where, you know, the potatoes turn golden brown and the bacon has a nice crisp outer crust on it, make sure it's not too dark. If you want to go an extra step, you can also take some barbecue sauce or whatever sauce that you want and brush the exterior outside of the barbecue uh, potato with either the barbecue sauce or whatever the dipping sauce that you might want to choose and let that dry and create a tacky outside as well and use that Mm. So with the bacon on the potato, are you you're fully wrapping the bacon's or, or the little strips of bacon around the potato, right? Like till it's so covered. It's, it's almost like a band. Okay. Know? You're not in, you're not in creating an envelope where the potato is nestled inside the bacon. You're creating a band that goes around the potato. So once you put that uh, toothpick on the outside, it's like a belt of some sort, and then you can sprinkle seasoning around that whole piece of bacon as well as potato oh. and you have a, a seasoned potato bacon bite that you can bite into and if you want to go an extra step you can also glaze it with the sauce as well mm. oh my goodness uh, I actually um, one thing I kind of stopped eating a lot of pork especially bacon um, but I made an exception for barbecue and love food like if I if, I, if somebody's making some food with some love like if I when I when I pull up on you, I'm definitely gonna try. I'm try all the shit, but, uh, but you know they make beef bacon too, right? Oh yeah, and I you know what? I honestly some sometimes I prefer beef ribs over pork ribs sometimes, depending on who does it. Oh yeah, yeah. We do a lot of um, the beef short plate ribs all day long. Mm. Uh, whenever we have them, the only issue I'm having with uh, sourcing is getting a consistent size uh, because I know I like to. Uh, get my sizes of my short plates. They come in three bones, I, I mean four bone racks. 
and I like the size to be anywhere between five and a half to six pounds per rack. Mm. So each set of bone, you're probably getting anywhere from one and a half to two pounds. You know, one time I had, have you ever had boar ribs? One time I had some boar ribs, and those were, whew, that, you, you, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're trying to make sure that if people are going to pay for our food, that not only they're going to get quality, but they're going to get a nice quantity as well. So they're not going to say, you know, the overall flavor and the taste of the food was great. I just wish there was more. Right. I prefer someone to say, man, the overall food of the, the taste of food was wonderful. The portions were enormous. Yeah. So oh, we had yeah. enough to experience the next day. Which is good because I don't believe in like you know saying overcharging somebody for something that I wouldn't pay for the same price as well. And then I'm not giving someone so much food that they're throwing away in the trash. I want to get to the point to where if they need to enjoy it the next day or so, where I'm accustomed to it, we make it to where they're able to do that. You know, but if they want to sit down and have it in an all room setting, they can sit down and do so. Hell yeah. I love that. I love that. So I got this um, this this little segment on here. Uh, basically, um, I'm the foodie who ain't bougie. And although I can be a little bougie sometimes about certain things, but for the most part, I'll pretty much try anything um, once. If I got a shot to chase it down, I'll try anything. Now, I'm wondering if you're a picky eater. Would you consider yourself a picky eater? Uh, no, I, I try not to. I mean, by my wife being a culinary chef, it's kind of difficult for me to be a picky eater. She'll pretty much um, make me be like, hey, look, you got to at least try it once to see if you really like it or not. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to have that. <laughs> I don't want to have that debate at home, so I'll give it at least a shot. My thing is, if I try it and I know I'm not liking it, hey, I'm, I'm one of those guys like, nah, this is not for me. Um, stuff like squid or uh, calamari and stuff like that. I can't eat stuff like that just because of past experiences, like tequila and stuff like that. I know I can't do it. Mm. So, I try to be reserved. I won't say no. I may be a little re- reluctant, but it would take some coaxing for me to try it, but right. hey, if I can see someone else do it and they don't gag or have any kind of ill effects from it, then I'm more than welcome to try it. Okay. So I'm gonna ask you a couple uh, a couple uh, questions. Um, bear with me, bear with me, and I'm going to uh, you just uh, say if you if you fuck with it or if you don't, and if you don't, uh, why? So um, wheat bread. Yes. Okay. Salmon. Salmon. You said salmon? Yeah, salmon. Oh, the fish? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> okay. Coffee. Yeah. Oh, you're coffee drinker. Okay. That's a good... That's... Oh, yeah. I drink some coffee now. My grandma made me drink coffee when I was little. <laughs> that's... And so, you know, it's funny. Um, Obviously, a lot of people know Seattle as, as being a big coffee city. And, and it's funny. Starbucks is the lowest tier here. If you're going to Starbucks, okay. you're like... Okay, you're you. I don't know. You're going in there with your grandma to order a frappuccino. Like nobody goes to Starbucks to get real coffee. I mean, unless you don't know any better, I guess. <laughs> right, right. Unless you're a tourist and you just go in there and say you went. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do you uh, do you guys got Starbucks down there? Oh heck yeah! I yeah. Don't know there's not a place that there's not a Starbucks at this point. 
Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that's, I don't fuck with Starbucks if I don't have to. If I'm dying for my coffee, I'll get some drip there, but, uh, okay. <laughs> I never go there and order, you know, uh, uh, and I don't order nothing too complex. Once in a while, I'll get a London fog, like a tea with a steamed milk or something like that, you know. But I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't, I'm not going to Starbucks for that. I'm not. <laughs> um, okay, so pear. Pear? Yeah, like a pear. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm country. Yeah, we do you mm, Blue cheese. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. So wings, man, yeah. I'm, I'm from the South. We eat blue cheese. What you mean? Okay. Okay. Mustard. Yeah. Mm, Okay. Man, I love the stone ground mustard. That's my shit. That stone ground mustard. And that, you know, there's this, uh, I think it's, you, do you fuck with corned beef? You know what? I haven't had a slice of corned beef, man, in maybe 10 years to see if I remember if I really liked it. I maybe ate it because that was the only thing that was available at the time. So I was one of those survivor modes. So I really can't say if I really liked it. I was able to eat it, so... I can't. I can say it's not bad. Oh, I love corned beef, especially obviously on the Rubens. Um, well, but there's a. Yeah, I eat a Ruben. I, I'm, I'm, I eat a Ruben. I'm not mistaken. That's corned beef, right? Corned beef and. Or I if mean, that's I, the case. If that's the case, I eat a Ruben because I had a Ruben maybe two years ago, and that that joint was flat. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I beat down the Ruben now. That ain't that. That's a. Yeah. Okay. So you like. So you like. Uh. So you like the Reuben. Okay. So what about uh cranberry sauce? You know what's funny? I, I'm i a big guy when it comes to sweet and spicy. That's kind of a, a big flavor profile for me. So if I'm doing a cranberry sauce, I need a little cayenne in there. I need something to bring it up. And, I, yeah, I like the idea of, you know, a barbecue sauce with it to sweet and spicy, something like that. Oof. Why? Oof. Uh, what about pate? Have you ever had that? Pate? Uh, pate. It's kind of like liverwurst, or like a foie. So it's like you know, uh, like chicken liver spread. No, I haven't had it. Oh man, that you know what's funny? That's a big leg. That's a big uh, delicacy for me is uh, pate. I, it's like kind of, you know how you know how poor food, in other cultures is really rich food, like bougie food. Like pate, you know, chicken livers essentially isn't that high end. Or, uh, I mean, if you're really fancy, you can use uh, foie gras liver. But generally speaking, you know, chicken liver. Uh, but you take it and you just you blend it up, you cook it, blend it up, and spread it on a sandwich. It's kind of like chicken spread, but it's liver. <laughs> well, now see, I eat chicken gizzards. Oh I'm yeah. Now. We don't grind it up. We don't do all that. They'll fry it, 
right bread and the right seasoning in your bread and mm. you fry it up right, man. They they like little chicken nuggets are delicious. Oh, I love <laughs> chicken gizzards. Uh, sometimes I'll do it and then with a side of eggs. I don't know why. Oh, bro, them chicken gizzards, man. Look, when when one of the local restaurants closed and there was there was truly one of their specialties is chicken gizzards. I mean, they sold chicken as well, but man, a lot of people went there primarily for the gizzards. It hurt the community because they didn't understand. And it was a chain restaurant. They just didn't understand how it closed because it done so well. Oh, my goodness. You know, probably usually I don't I don't want to speak on them, but like a lot of times and I and I always felt like uh, the divide between the front and back of house. But if I feel for servers, sometimes I know the job is a little bit easier to deal with, but the the people they they you go there and if you've had bad food you'll you'll tend to forgive it if you've had good food there right but if you have bad service it's hard to ever remember to come back so man bro they don't they didn't care about their service because they knew the food was gonna be on point yeah time. no you know you don't went to your, one of your family members house you got an auntie or uncle or sister or something you know she's gonna be rude to everybody in the house but everybody knows they gonna she stick her foot in everything she you right right you're like i gotta do what i gotta do um, <laughs> yeah. you're like, you're like, look i know dude's gonna be a fool but guess what i know my line's not gonna be long i'm not gonna wait 10 15 minutes for food they may act silly one day they may love you the next day but guess what they gonna they gonna respect your business they gonna appreciate your business and then you know it's gonna be a part of life you know you can go tell somebody like man look they may act silly one day one day they may act bad, but the food's gonna be consistent. It's mm. gonna be good regardless. So, and that's funny because I guess I guess the culture is a little bit different because, um, so for me, uh, when I when I there's not a lot of uh, traditional American barbecue up here, but one one joint that I tend to go to is a uh, Korean barbecue, and and uh. the and the difference between uh, American service and Korean service is. Americans, they always come around. They're like, "Hey, how'd you like the food?" And your mouth's full, and you're like, "Oh, cool, yeah, it's cool." It's like whatever. Whereas Korean people, they literally give you the food, give you the stuff, and then you gotta ask them if you want anything else. <laughs> so they leave you alone. Yeah. <laughs> they let you yeah, enjoy yeah, the food. It's more or less like giving you time to enjoy your food, then you make a determination if you want anything else or not. Mm-hmm. We try to we try to more or less make sure that you're satisfied with what you're getting. My thing is. It's just a matter of hospitality, you know what I'm saying? I want to make sure that my full-fledged effort is being received, you know what I'm saying, if you appreciate what I'm giving. If it's not, let me know if there's anything I can do, and if I'm capable of helping you or fixing what's going wrong, I will. If I can't, I'll be more than refunding you your money because you got to understand, your delicacy is not for everybody. What you're cooking may not mean I, – I made a comment on, uh, on another friend's page, like, look, you got to understand, he used to do barbecue competitions all the time. He got to the point where he got frustrated where he wanted to quit. I said, man, look, when last time you won your competition? Uh, a couple of years ago. I said, just because you won it, then it doesn't mean that you make bad food. It's just the people that taste your food may not like your food like other people, others do. Right. Because everybody's palate is not the same. You right. got to understand, I may like salty, you may like sweet, but we're judging your food. We're supposed to judge your food on a certain criteria, and it's not fair. Right. What you have to take in consideration is everybody's not going to like your food. 
but the people that do like your food, they're going to come back and they're going to say, hey, man, we appreciate your full-fledged effort and what you do. And when you give them your full-fledged effort, it will show. Mm-hmm. That's 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 for sure. I mean, you know, and you know, I come with the good intentions. That's that's what I give people is those intentions. You know, I might not always be on time, but when you know I show up, I'm gonna give you my all, and that's that's love for real. Well, they respect that most. They respect that you're not halfway doing it, and you're not doing it just because you're there and you're trying to take up a spot and take up the time. They like, look, we know. Look, if he's late, it's because he's trying to do everything. That he possibly can to give us the freshest items that he possibly can, or if he's selling merchandise, give you the best merchandise that you can possibly give to the public. That will be my reasons or my purposes of being either tardy or just say, hey, look, I told people straight up, look, don't pay for that. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not even gonna give you that. Or my wife been upset with me because I canceled pop up because some of the food didn't come out right. And guess what? That looked upon me. That's a representation of what I'm giving out to the people. That's part of my legacy. And I don't want my legacy to be tarnished like that. To say, okay, he's willing to give you this kind of food and settle. No, I'm not. Because next time, that may be your first time tasting my food. You're like, I'm not going to eat that guy's food. Mm-hmm. Dude, dude don't care. He's not mm-hmm. trash. Why should I go spend my heart on money on somebody that's not willing to care about what he's trying to feed me? And that's not the type of person that I want to be seen as. Right. I want to be seen as an individual that say, hey, here go a tip. Tasty too. Right. No, man, you gave me way better food than I anticipated, or gave me way more food than I anticipated. The only thing I can do is show you my appreciation by doing this for you, mm. and I want to see you prosper and get better. Those are the type of lasting memories that I want to create with people to show them I'm trying to do my best in whatever field that I'm in to make to make you see that look, you don't have to be an entertainer, you don't have to be a sports athlete, or you don't have to be even a politician or somebody in high regard to give your best. Mm-hmm. That's right. I know that's right. Man. I, so wait, I, <laughs> man, I'm loving this. I'm loving this, man. This is going to be a good episode. Let me tell you, let me uh, ring out a couple more of these things. Cause I got to know if you, if you, if you, if you, if you're going to try it or if you like it, or if you don't like it, I really got to know. So, uh, uh, S cargo. Uh, I would try it because of my wife. I mean, she got me eating sushi, so I, I'm not too far off on that with the fishing. So, yeah, I would try it. Mm, you know what? There's this uh, Perseot butter. It's a uh, parsley butter, uh, butter, uh, garlic, and uh, parsley, and a little salt pepper. And it goes over it in this little dish. That butter, though, is the one. <laughs> uh, ketchup. Yep. You, you know what? I... That's the one food that I I really don't like ketchup. I've had it once or twice where it's good. I've had other times where it's not. Most of the times I've had it, it's not good. I've had it one time where it was like actual more tomato paste puree. I can like I like that, but I don't like the Heinz. I, mm, I just there's something about the. No, but you the, can tailor your ketchup though, man. You can man. It's like aioli almost, man. You can make your own ketchup, man. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That I mean that when you when you say it like that, I, I I absolutely agree. I'm definitely if I'm starting with the tomatoes from the base, I could do that. That's 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 for sure. Uh, what about honey? What about honey? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't work with it. Um, trying to figure out if it's if it's more of the pure or the local honey or the refined honey that you get in the stores that I like more because. One of them, it got better attributes, and it cooks down, and it breaks down better way. Um, especially when I'm cooking it with barbecue, it doesn't burn as fast. Mm. Because the sugar in it is hot. You know, so it can burn off uh, at a higher temperature where your your stuff, your food won't turn black. Right. So, um, I'll work with honey, but I'd have to do it sparingly. Mm. Maybe more of a brushed approach, not like a direct marinade or something. Right. Right, right. It'll be something that I'll incorporate either in the glaze or something. Something I know that the heat's not gonna be high to make it tack up with or something like that. Mm. So what about squash? Uh, squash, breaded, yeah, <laughs> like okra, yeah. Ooh, yeah. okay. Um, that's the only time I would I would do a fried food. The only two fried foods that I would do as far as a southern a southern manner in cooking that people like to say is uh, breaded okra and breaded squash. Ooh. I mean, I would eat it like fried green pickles all day long. Ooh. I mean, fried green tomatoes and pickles. You know, it's funny. Um, I didn't like okra for the longest time because the people, like the times I had it, obviously in gumbo, I like it. But um, yeah, uh, I've had it where it's just like a side of okra, and I'm like, what is this? But then uh, I had a uh, pickled okra. Oh, uh, that is good. Oh my god! And then I had it breaded. Oh, I've had it fried. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I had it fried uh, once or twice. And that's, oh, the, mm. it's like, it's like you're eating something fried that you think is healthy for you or something. That's the way, like, you're like, ooh, this is so good for me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're trying to even get you caught up, man. I got two more, just two more. All right, salmon croquette. Okay. Shout out to my man Reggie with the uh, with the salmon croquette, and uh, the other one is a thousand year old egg, or uh, I think it's pickled egg, but it's pickled from a long time, not a thousand years, but it's pickled. Uh, I haven't tried a pickled egg. Oh my god, that is a weird, weird food. Yeah, the, the, between that and um, sea urchin are the two weirdest foods I gotta say I've ever tried. Sea urchin is. Okay. Oh, the texture is weird. It's like a tongue porousy, and the, the flavor uh, is like a. It's somewhere between like a fish, and like like a like a orange, but like a like a almost like an orange that's not quite ripe. Like you're eating the rind of okay. an orange. It's so weird, and it's kind of slimy. Oh, yeah, it's it's not bad. I had some with bacon, and it was interesting. I, I, but yeah, I didn't particularly like that. So. Uh, what's what's a weird what's the weirdest food you could say you've tried? Uh, let me see. What's the weirdest food I tried? Uh, <laughs> raccoon. <laughs> oh, I ain't never tried no raccoon. I I would try it though. Was it good? Uh, uh yeah, man. Uncle put it on the grill. 
Oh no. <laughs> oh, I've had rabbit. Rabbit is interesting. Very gamey. <laughs> well, oh yeah. No, for real. If you want to get out of game, it's like that, man. So I'm going to get $1,000 dressing, man. Just let it marinate overnight. It's a lot of stuff out. Watch that. Mm. I, and the, the, I got some just to try to make it, and I made like a, a rabbit stew. And next time I got to do with a smoking or grilling it. Man, it's just so lean. And you, if you're going to do anything, just do it indirect. Because if you do it direct, man, you can just drive right out, man. It's almost like eating digamin. <laughs> I believe it to you. <laughs> For real, man. I mean, so, I mean, a lot of my friends, man, too, here, man, we, they make so much deer jerky here right now, man. Dude, they got a coconut deer jerky so fast. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, man. I love jerky. A coconut deer jerky. Oh. Oof. So, man, big perm. I got to know, man. I know uh, you, you're a guy well-cultured. Well uh, what, what kind of music you listen to, man? Man, I don't think there's a genre I don't really, you know what I'm saying, listen to. Uh, it depends on what setting I'm in, you know. Um, if I'm out by the grill, by the smoker, I got long cooks. Man, I may turn on the Otis Redden radio on Pandora and let Otis Redden blare. I mean, I mean, I remember the time where I didn't cranked up with Stevie Nicks and listen to Fleetwood Mac, had that Joker jamming. And then uh, I remember times I'd be around my boys and we'd be at the park hanging out, man, with the smoke session. I'd crank up the UGK or the old uh, Airbnb Rock Him and we'd be rocking out today. So, mm. I mean, I'm, dude, I've been with my brothers, man. We done been four-wheeling. We bumping Chris Christopherson, they come in and Johnny Cash, man. Look, <laughs> I'm from Music City. There's almost nothing we don't listen to. We listen to EDM music and everything, man. Oh, man. This is our fam. Oh man! Would you say you see for me when I when I'm in the kitchen, depending on my mood, I gotta have some type of music playing. It depends on what I'm cooking and how long it's taking. But um, I always yeah. say the music that I'm setting is gonna set the taste of the flavor of the food, and that's why I, I hate working in kitchens where they don't let you listen to music because I be I need to listen to something and get my flow, especially if I'm in that rush. I'm on the line. Well, why, why, why would you not do that? Because it creates the atmosphere and the attitude and how you how you attack whatever's in front of you. I know. You know whenever I have like a pop up, the first thing the missus be like, "So what you gonna listen to?" I'm like, "Well, where are we at? If we're in like a laid back setting, oh, it's like we're catering a uh, distillery or we're just catering a wedding, man, you may get some laid back like the uh, Hall and Oats, you know, just some smooth or some or Michael McDonald, some crewing." And then I'm back here just slinging out food at a nice constant pace. Uh-huh. Before you know it, the night's over with, and you got a wine glass in your hand, and you're sitting back enjoying the day with a pocket full of money, and you kicking it with your spouse. Exactly. So it's all about how you how you tailor the music to your area where you're located because it sets certain moves, and it draws people in, and it creates different atmospheres. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You definitely don't want to just only be listening to one genre. And I, I've tried to be like that, too, um, tailored to the audience. Uh, but I guess I guess I'm more used to working uh, back at house. So it's kind of like, you know, you're you're there. You're, you're There's a barrier between you and the customer, which I never liked. I have worked in some open kitchens, but there's a barrier between you and the customer and, and enjoying the food. And you can't really see their reaction. So, you know, some. Sometimes I'll just be back there in my own head, or if I'm in my kitchen, which uh, 
you know, that's something where I'll, I'll play some music on the TV, man, some UGK. I might play some real, uh, some satin jackets. That's It's like some real lax uh, house music. It's not too intense. It's real just chill, melodic, like you're on the beach, and I'd just be salt baying it up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I mean, it, look, and, and, and I hate to hear the cliche word or say it, but man, it, it's a vibe you create. Mm-hmm. And everybody get on that same wavelength of what you're trying to create. And then once they see the energy and the energy is positive and you take it there, man, it's an experience. And then it's a memory. And then people can refer back to the time and those tastes and those flavors and those smells and those sounds. And you can say, yo, you remember when? And you get that smile on your face like, yeah, man, that was nice. We need to do that again. Mm. Oh, man, we need to do something better. Amp it up, man. Make it like, make it something better than I know it could be. But see, that's where all those great things can can spark and and become even greater then those those points where they started you know you like man look it don't take much it just take you putting in that effort and then everybody else putting in a collaborative effort and then y'all just create something big man right that's what i'm trying to, that's why i'm up here trying to create that and it see i think the the there's the one thing that i that i admire most about the south being from the northwest is that there's a sense of togetherness out in the South. Like, you know, when you walk up on somebody, hey, how you doing? How's your day? Like, yes, sir, no, sir. It's like this, like, level of politeness that I was raised with. Whereas out here, people are a little bit cold. I mean, you got to get you gotta get everybody in that vibe like you were talking about. It's a little harder to create that vibe out here, but that's one thing I really like about the South is you guys got this vibe where it's, hey, hey, you know, let me, you need something to eat? Like, hey, let me let me come out there and shake your hand. I know every not everybody's like that, but generally speaking, that's the vibe I get when I'm, you know, down south. I haven't been all over the south. I have yet to be gone to Tennessee yet, and I do want to go. Everybody's saying it, 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 I should go, Memphis, Nashville, but I've been to Texas. I've been to Atlanta. Um, been to Louisiana, and it's a lot of love out there. A lot of you know respect. So that's something. Oh, yeah. It's something I really and, and like. That's one of our key things, man. To next, well, Tennessee in general was known as a volunteer state. It's still known as a volunteer state because there's just a certain, a certain aura of hospitality from native, either native Tennessean or just native Nashvilleans in general that I've either been raised around or, or grew up with. That we were raised with a certain level of respect that's still around to where we still say yes or no. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am, or let me hold that door open, or, you know what I'm saying, how you doing? It's just a matter of a common courtesy, because you don't know what that how you doing may affect somebody else that's having a crappy day. Right. But then you get somebody that said that actually feel like they care about what they saying to you instead of something negative like, get out of the way, I'm having a crappy day, too. Right. Well, we all know we always deal with something either now or later on down the line. And one of my favorite quirks, quotes is, either in a storm coming out of a storm or going into a storm the thing is how you deal with the storm that you're going through you can either be a brash person and treat everybody rude or you ride it out and you make that storm better for everybody that's dealing with something similar to it mm. and that's how you that's how you expand your legacy you saying you know what we may be going through something but people see it in a how you take out of it in a positive manner it's how other people will react to it too. Mm. You, either, you either lead by example or you be the example not to lead by. I don't want to be like this dude. And that's not me. And that's not how a lot of people in the South were raised that I've been around. They want to be that 
that guy like, you know what? He done been through it all. When he came out a better person for it, and even though he been through it all, he treats people a certain way that he know he can inspire to have other people respect him or treat him as well. Right. Right. And yeah, that's I mean, that's one thing that I've uh, you know, moving around and and and, and meeting different people and, and doing this podcast as well is one thing I've learned, you know, and one thing my mama always taught me is uh, it's easier to get bees with honey than it is with vinegar. And I always try to apply that. And I, I try to remember that, too. You know, who I'm going to portray to that one person or, or, or the many people. And like you said, not your food ain't for everybody. But at the same time, all you can do is be the best person you can be. So I, I got I got one last question for you. Um, it's a food related question. Um, what's your favorite uh, aperitif? Uh, or digestive, excuse me, after the, after the meal, you know, people have pickles, kimchi, sauerkraut, stuff to kind of cleanse the palate, palate cleansers. What, uh, what would you say your favorite is? Oh, my favorite palate cleanser. Uh, moonshine, straight off the phone. <laughs> mm, moonshine. I got a couple of uncles and some family members, man, they, they, they take care of their business, man. I can get a jar or something from them. So my favorite palate cleanser. If I had a long day of work, you know, I'm not taking a big old glass to the head. I may get a shot glass if I know I need to kind of clean my palate and get ready for the next day. And I don't do that every day. I don't do it every week. But when I do do it, you know, it's, the thing is they care about what they do. And that's that's one thing with my family I can I can be sound proud of, you know. If they're gonna do something, they're gonna they're gonna put their all into it, and man, it's it's great, you know. It's it's not rough, it's smooth, and and it's something that you can sit back, you can smoke a cigar, or or you know what I'm saying, kick back and hang out with you guys, man. What we call sipping tea, you know, we we'll sip on it for a little hot second. By the time it's all over and done with, time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey man, I really appreciate you taking your time and giving me some church, giving me some gospel, and giving me some pointers, and and give me some love. And uh, actually, one more one more question for you. Um, how did you uh, hear about Nathan Nice in the Kitchen Couch? Man, I heard about Nathan Nice in the Kitchen Couch through IG, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I'm not sure if you're on the Twitter because I don't have a lot of content. Twitter page, but I know on Instagram, I definitely follow you on Instagram, man. I love what you're doing, man. I love the content you're putting out and the whole vibe you're putting out, as a matter of fact. You know what I'm saying? And I not only wish you the best luck, man. Whenever you need to reach out to me, holler back out to me, man. I love what you're doing, man. And continue to keep doing this, man, because we need this. Right? We need this positive We need this positive outlet, you know what I'm saying, and let people know everyone from every different demographic has a story to tell, and we need to hear it. Right. You need to hear it, man. Right. And you know part two is gonna be fire and, and eventually when I pull up on you part three, live and in person is gonna be real fire. So you already know. Oh, part three live and in person, man. We had a brick in the morning, man. You're gonna have the tools, you'll see the photos, man. We're gonna have a bigger story to tell, man. It's gonna be something like all my hashtags said, man, we're gonna make this epic, man. I'm I wanna be humble, be the humble king behind it. And get some other kids or something to inspire to, you know. You know, you can be that rapper, you can be that ball player, you can be that athlete, you can be that plumber, man, but you got to be somebody. Right. Put your, all, put your all into it, man. I promise you, you'll be Mm. Big perm, man. That's gospel. That's church, baby. Man, tell them where to find you. Tell them how to get a hold of you. I know you about to uh, go on the, uh, you about to get on TV and do your little thug dizzle out here. So I'm, I'm rooting yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. That's for the queen. That's for the queen. We got to keep that on the hood. Okay. Okay. 
yo, I'm definitely going to be holding it down, man, helping out my queen, man. We're going to be doing some epic stuff on tomorrow, on some TV. So we'll give, when the release date drop, y'all check all our social media feeds. We're all on Instagram, Twitter, and also on Facebook. And it's under Zilla's Pit Barbecue. It's, it's, on Instagram, it's Zilla underscore Pit underscore BBQ. And all other platforms, it's just one single word, Zilla's Pit Barbecue. Hey, shout out to your queen, man. I'm rooting for her, man. Let me know when you uh, drop that link. I'm gonna be rooting. I'm gonna be rooting out here, man. Hey, stay on the line, brother. Hey, that was that was a uh, big per man giving you some ghetto gospel. You feel me? Giving me some love and donating his time. This is the kitchen couch, Nathan Knights, aka Light Skin Bourdain. Ooh, ooh, we're stepping out, feeling good with that. Yo, yo, yo. That was Big Perm. <laughs> Big Perm with Zilla's Pit Barbecue, man. A real one. A real, real one. I'm glad that brother donated some time, gave me some blessings, some game, and I cannot wait to pull up on him, tap in with him, and 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 really eat some good food and 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 and, and you know, fulfill the marathon and and connect game and talk legacy some more and get the full story with them. So once again, big perm with Zilla's pit barbecue. You guys can find him on Instagram. You know, he's got a bunch of ventures. So, and I'm Nathan nice N A T H I N N I C E. So you can find me anywhere. You can find the kitchen couch anywhere. All one word properly spelled. And thanks for tapping in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for, for fucking with me.